Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, Commodities Analyst at BMO Capital Markets. And welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week. I spent the early part of this week at the FT Commodities Summit in beautiful Lausanne, which always gives a good overview of macro topics across all commodity markets. I say two themes were front and centre, geopolitics and carbon. It's fair to say there was a large degree of scepticism about Europe's plans to wean itself off Russian energy dependence, both from a technical and a practical point of view. To quote what works on an Excel spreadsheet in Brussels really doesn't translate into market behaviour. Uh, moreover, there was some concern that green principles might be walked back with short-term needs outweighing longer-term goals. However, we are in the camp that while overall European metals demand will take a short-term hit as the economy enters recession, there is public will to boost energy independence and stop funding Russia, and this will drive policy towards boosting energy transition spending in the medium term. We are upping our EU demand forecast for metals for the middle of this decade, it almost be argued that this is an extension of the increased defence spend we're seeing from many countries. Along the same lines, it does feel that the current situation with Russia has started to focus minds on the dominance of China in the battery and critical materials value chain. Not only are we now seeing government after government come out with a critical mineral strategy, but also the metals and mining industry itself is now pushing to develop reshored value chains. One interesting thing to watch is whether this flows through to simpler permitting for mines. We don't see any evidence of this yet, nor are we likely to. However, there is perhaps greater hope that green premiums are starting to gain some traction. One interesting discussion at the summit was the potential for metals produced via novel green technology to be treated differently from those produced by low-carbon power sources to try and encourage investment and technological change. There was general agreement as well that LME contracts would ultimately move to a situation where green material was the standard for delivery, though this could take until the end of the decade. In our view, consumers will ultimately drive this, with specifications changing, include a maximum embodied carbon, and if a supplier doesn't qualify, it will change their power source, and thus this is perhaps the best way to drive the pace of decarbonisation through the metals industry, together with increased use of secondary material. One thing we've been asked about a lot is the current situation in China as the pivot to growth policy or the China growth panic, whatever way you want to look at it, becomes clearer. It's definitely fair to say Beijing has been talking about growth support since November, with limited impact thus far. The traditional infrastructure lever is broken owing to weak local government revenues. And the sharp decline in the domestic equity market had clearly pointed to waning confidence of success. Week before last though, we saw perhaps the most coordinated set of statements from Beijing entities in recent Chinese history. The State Council affirming that monetary policy would be proactive in boosting economic growth and supporting the equity market, while the PBOC, for its part, pledged to resolutely back development of the real economy. Chinese growth does undershoot targets this year. It won't be for a lack of rhetoric from central government agencies, nor availability in terms of bank lending. The effective expansion of the fiscal deficit to 4.5% or so should also be supportive, though we do have some doubts as to the use of SOE profits for this purpose, unless there is something obvious in it for those companies themselves. As of yet, the issue is converting ample supply of credit into improved credit demand and turning around the properties market will be central to this. There is precious little evidence of that happening as yet. Not only are land sales still extremely weak, 
but newly built home prices saw the weakest rise since December 2015, despite a slew of accommodative policies, cutting mortgage rates, weakening lending criteria, subsidies for first-time buyers, you name it. Mortgage demand is poor, and without improvement, there is a clear risk that price declines can lead to a negative spiral of weakening consumer spending. Given the pressing need to get economic growth into higher gear, we do expect improvement in property metrics and metals demand later in the year. This is fast becoming a show-me story. We expect Chinese year-on-year demand for steel and major base metals to be negative in the first half of 2022, while perhaps one of the crucial areas to focus on is whether steel exports rise to the rest of the world amid higher global prices, particularly given the decarbonisation agenda is taking a butt seat in China at the moment. To say it is a tricky time to analyse and forecast commodity markets is somewhat of an understatement. But let's bring it back to the basics. How are we adjusting supply, demand, costs and trade flow expectations, the core building blocks of commodity analysis, together with inventories? Well, on supply, we're only making minor adjustments at a headline level, as we do assume much of the Russian supply will find its way to markets in China and India. So there is more of an alteration in trade flows than those of us old enough to remember the old legacy Western world and Eastern bloc models from the 1980s might have to dust them off again. We are, however, upping construction allowances a bit given second order impacts from flows of equipment and consumables plus ongoing COVID-related issues. Also, we're taking down European refined metal supply expectations on higher power costs, which does bring us to that issue of cost inflation, naturally making its way through the metals and mining industry. We expect the top end of commodity cost curves to rise by at least 10% this year, though in a situation where prices are in general trading at a decent premium to cost support, this has limited influence on price formation. Where we are making adjustments is to demand, in particular cutting European expectations for this year and paring back emerging market ex-China expectations. However, we are boosting the anticipation of Chinese demand slightly following the renewed fixed asset investment push now being seen that we talked about previously. Overall, there is limited change to market balances. However, tail risks to demand are clearly rising and whether geopolitical or financial, and these will bear watching over the coming months. Next week sees the annual Sesco Week and World Copper Conference in Chile as the live in-person events continue to ramp back up. This comes at an interesting time for the copper market as a whole. Of course, prices are extremely high, which makes miners happy, but can also bring pressure around labour issues with potential action at the world's largest copper mine, Escondida, and numerous issues at Peruvian operations to the fore. We would expect a lot of focus on potential policy changes relating to the mining industry for the new left-wing governments in both Chile and Peru, and a lot of discussion around the path forward for the new Chilean constitution, which could dramatically alter the economics of future mining projects in the country. Similarly, we'd look to see a lot of debate around delivery timelines and final costs for the two large greenfield projects in Latin America due this year, Cayaveco for Anglo-American and QB2 for Tech Resources. These will add copper concentrate supply this year in a market where spot treatment and refining charges are now at the highest level for three years, signifying a raw material market that is much looser than at this time last year. There is near uniform agreement in commodity markets on the longer term positive story for copper around the global energy transition thematic. It's an easy sell. Near term, however, we simply don't see the copper market as being as physically tight as base metal peers. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. If 
you have any questions or suggestions, just get in touch directly. And if you're enjoying these insights, please do subscribe if you haven't done so already. I do hope you can join me next time to discuss more pertinent issues for metals and bulk commodity markets. That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research in Tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at Colin dot hamilton at bimo.com to access our full disclosures please visit researchglobalzero.bimocapitalmarkets.com forward slash public hyphen disclosure